Hello there. You're listening to the Watson's Daily Podcast with me, Peter Watson, on Tuesday, the 14th of March. Today, I'm joined by Gabby Carza, who is a Watson's Daily ambassador. Hi there, Gabby. How are you doing today? Great, Peter. How are you? Yeah, all good, thank you. Um, just got to say uh, a quick apology in advance to any listeners. My voice is still a bit croaky because uh, I was shouting a lot on the weekend. Uh, <laughs> not nothing serious. I I was a um, I was I was part of a group that organised this big rugby festival on Sunday, and I get tend to get quite animated uh, in a positive way. Um, on the touchline because I'm I'm a coach um, of these <laughs> under eleven kids, so uh, so anyway I'm still my voice still seems to be a bit croaky from that. But anyway, so uh, that aside, um, uh, Gabby, what what uh, have you got for the listeners today? Uh, yeah, so I I was interested in this story um, about a potential mega insurance case that might be starting in um, October 2024. So this is about the airline industry, mm-hmm. specifically Aircap, which is the world's largest owner of commercial aircraft, um, is wanting to take action against various insurance groups, including AIG, Lloyd's of London and Fidelis, after some of its planes were stranded in Russia um, following the aftermath of um, the Ukraine war. So um, the stats are quite uh, figures to balk at, really. So more Mm. than 400 aircraft worth almost $10 billion have been stuck in Russia um, for the last year and a bit. Um, And this happened because obviously Western countries slapped lots of different sanctions on Russia. Mm -hmm. um, And one of those was that these aircraft needed to be returned because aircrafts, uh, various planes are kind of kept on this lease basis. So they're leased to different airlines, to different countries. um, And then these insurers will in, you know, ensure kind of the protection of these aircraft if they go missing or get mm-hmm. damaged in any way mm-hmm. um and all of those insurance provisions will always be in place right and we, we don't mm-hmm. really know the figures they're paying for them but it, i yeah. can imagine it's a lot of money that you're paying for these insurance yeah. premiums yeah. um so air air cap issued notices to a number of russian airlines to return leased aircraft um and the airlines just didn't comply instead they re-registered these aircraft in russia um and continued to fly them and now there's kind of dual um kind of rows continuing about the fact that these airlines are being registered these planes have been registered in two different places at once but they're Mm -hmm. only being used in one place no one can get them back from russia um supposedly various airline um managers in russia have been told by the kremlin directly not to communicate with unfriendly lessers um which i thought was a a good quote Mm -hmm. um and um and so you know that we are talking about an absolutely massive insurance case where all of the insurance, all the insurers want to kind of um, make this one big case, bring all of the various airlines that are, um, or Aircap and the other owners of commercial aircraft, they all want to, they want them to come together as group claimants and deal with it all in one big claim. And obviously the claimants would prefer for it to be separate um, so that they can have multiple bites of the cherry, so to speak. Um, And it'll be really interesting to see what happens. There was a judge yesterday who spoke about potentially merging all of these into one mega trial, but this would be a huge trial with absolutely astronomical figures that would be trying to be claimed. And also, you know, the lawyer's fees, (laughs) that's obviously what I would be thinking about, would be massive 
aggressive in this because mm. this will be a big a big case or a big couple of cases um and obviously it all depends on what happens between now and, and october 2024 with the war mm. you know we, we were mentioning before if the war ends in that time and how it ends could have a massive impact on the parties in this case if it's a western kind of friendly ending what will happen then will there be a scenario in which russia returned the airplanes and then you know the insurers can say well you've got them back um so there's nothing to claim essentially they're saying at the moment we don't owe you anything because there's no loss because the aircraft still exist they're still running you just don't have access to them but there isn't a loss um and it's I like, curious I like to that, see I like that that whole you just don't have you have to yeah. you don't have access to them but yeah okay okay yeah well that sounds fair enough <laughs> i mean i mean the court will look to that because you can't Basically, in order for a claim like this to succeed, you have to be able to prove that there's been a loss that mm. has ar arisen from some kind of breach, whatever, right? But if you, you know, if they dispute there's been no loss, that's a great, if, if the court believes them and is like, mm. yeah, agrees with the insurers, yeah, there hasn't been a loss, then there isn't any claim to begin with. Mm. But obviously, it, that doesn't seem fair from on the facts. They don't have any planes, they don't have these planes to use. Um, but, you know, I just thought it was interesting because I, I didn't realise, A, how much these planes cost. Mm. I think we all know that planes are expensive, but the actual mm. figures are crazy. There's one one of these um, aircraft owners is, is just trying to claim back for one one plane and it's it's talking a billion dollars or something mm -hmm. ridiculous, mm. you know. Um, and you also wonder if they did get these planes back in, in a year or in two years, how much maintenance will have to be done to the planes? You know, how are those costs going to be um, claimed back? And, mm. and also limitation periods in the contracts with the insurers. What do those say? Because the court will probably look to the contracts first between the insurers and the aircraft owners um, and will follow that before anything mm. else. Mm. So, yeah, I just I just thought that was an interesting story this morning. Yeah. I mean, there's, there's do you, I mean, God, it seems ages ago now. But I mean, um, I remember those stories right at the beginning of the conflict where you had these planes that Aircap were desperately trying to get back and they were mm -hmm. being turned back in midair to go mm -hmm. back to Russia you know yeah. um so yes I mean that you know obviously dramatic circumstances I think one one thing obviously you know that you what that I thought you know when you were talking about that was I wonder whether Aircap can claim for lost business you know in terms in from the to the extent that it seems to me that Airbus and Boeing have ha seen loads of orders recently from various airlines. I mean, I, I suppose the ones generally, it seems to me to be from, um, you know, the Middle East um, mm. seem to have been putting into lots of orders. And I wonder whether, you know, is some of that, to is some of that, I mean, I wonder whether they would ever argue that, that, those orders are bigger because they can't maybe they feel less safe with um leasing aircraft um because of what happened in russia mm. i mean i don't know whether that would be like an additional i mean I, presumably that would be like a, se a separate kind of claim i guess but i just yeah. wondered whether that would be something they might be interested in yeah, I think I think what you're talking about is kind of the various heads of loss that they might discuss and claim for. Um, mm. I think typically, you know, loss of profits is a difficult 
um, claim to kind of make. I mean, yeah. they, they can succeed, but they're much harder to calculate and and mm. give convincing evidence to the court of, you know, these were definitely the lost profits that arose definitely from these planes being missing. That can be difficult to prove. And mm. so the courts are probably less likely to kind of grant those losses. Um, I don't think they'd necessarily be brought as entirely separate claims, but they'd be like a different head of, a different head of loss, right? Mm. Um, and But it is curious to see how they're going to calculate these losses because it really depends. I mean... And, and it depends on if the aircraft are are returned in any way, mm. or if some of them are returned. You know, another thing that I'd mentioned to you um, just before is that I think it's interesting that this is being taken as a court case because there's quite a few options that can be dealt with in these disputes. So normally quite a lot of disputes these days will have an arbitration clause that will say that before any kind of other matter is taken to the court any disputes between the parties will be taken to a private arbitration first and that's usually for the benefit of keeping um the issues confidential for one Mm. and also arbitrations are subject to much wider ranging enforceability which can be really useful in a case like this so there's something called the new york convention which Mm -hmm. very many countries have signed up to um Mm -hmm. much more so than traditional court awards by national courts so the arbitration and russia's actually signed up to um the New York Convention. So it would mean that if there was an arbitration where an arbitral award was agreed at the end of that, that could be taken to another country and enforced there in a lot of cases. Mm. Whereas a British court case, it it might be very useful for them to discuss this publicly because, you know, going through the traditional English court system would be both public and could potentially set a precedent, which Mm. is probably why the claimants want to go that route. But it Mm. might be really difficult if any of the judges in that case talk about something to do with the aircraft being returned or anything that involves Russia's involvement, how are they going to enforce that? That's my biggest question. Mm, mm. And that's why I wonder whether or not arbitration might be a better route for some of the issues, at least. They need to, you know, narrow down some of the issues that they have here. Maybe they claim for some of the things publicly in court, some of the things they go for an arbitral award to see if they can actually contact Russia and and get an agreement to even return a few of the planes, you know, because Mm. if they're worth so much, each individual plane, maybe we need to strike a deal here to get some of them returned to help these insurers. Mm. Mm. I agree. But, I mean, you know, it's it's a fascinating subject, involves an enormous amount of money yeah and you know given that it's basically booted into the back end of next year mm-hmm. um it does you know i i'm sure that there will be a lot of hope that things will sort of work themselves out to some extent by that point but mm. obviously we just don't know yeah. um so so yeah but anyway no it's really really interesting subjects really yeah interesting definitely subjects. want to watch yeah. What what interested you this morning, Peter? Uh, so I was um, on the far less highbrow um, <laughs> uh, story, and uh, something that is more, um, uh, you know, uh, related to um, dry land, um, and that is more that is about Amazon and Rivian. Um, they are talking about, um, you know, what was they breaking their exclusive deal? So. Um, so just just to recap, um, Amazon, which owns 17, that's one seven, 17 percent of Rivian. Um, Amazon have had a an exclusive deal for Rivian to supply them with all the their vans, their electric vans. Now, the thing is, is that although there's this the agreement that they signed in 2019, says that um, they are committing to buy 100,000 of these vans from Rivian by 2030. This year's order of 10,000 units is short, is at at the low end 
um, of what they promised. And so Rivian is basically saying, can we sell to, you know, can we go non-exclusive and sell to others? Mm. Now, I mean, I think that sounds perfectly reasonable. I would have thought that Amazon is not going to hold them back from doing it because they have, a, I think it'd be different if Amazon was not such a big shareholder, but it mm. is. And so, um, so I, I would have thought it wouldn't want to hold Rivian back. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think this will be good for Rivian as well, because it means that, um, you know, it will get exposure to other perhaps corporate customers um, who will probably, again, think, well, if it's good enough for Amazon, it's good enough for us. Mm-hmm. And so they will, there will be um, demand created by the very fact that Amazon is still very much involved in this um the 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 um so yeah so i think that this is this is this is a good thing um and it will help rivian to survive rivian has had difficulties over the last year it's got a, a pickup truck which has had from what i can see you know across the board very good reviews but it has not been able to keep up with you know it's got a massive backlog mm. now um i also i mean and i wonder well, you know, it'll be interesting to see what the wider implications of this are as well, I would mm. have thought. Yeah, no, I definitely agree that I think it makes a big difference that Amazon is a shareholder because if they mm-hmm. weren't, they wouldn't be as bothered. I think you can understand that they're such a big player in the market that they probably do have quite a lot of exclusive deals um, mm. out there and that they think that that's important and and probably the, the people who have those deals with them are happy to comply because Amazon's such a, you know, they're going to be a massive supplier. They're mm. going to be massive business. So yeah, seeing them only order 10,000 vans this year must have been a bit of a shock to Rivian. Um, mm. And I think Rivian's also not been doing that great with having to lay off workers and stuff in this last year. So, you know, they're, there's they're in a little bit of a danger zone. And there was a spokesperson from Amazon who, um, said that you know they want others to benefit from Rivian's technology in the long run because having more electric delivery vehicles on the road is good for communities and the planet. So I think mm. Amazon, I mean, they they are definitely conscious that um, their climate impact needs to be kind of addressed to consumers because it is an increasing issue that consumers are thinking about um, kind of Amazon's impact on the planet mm. right and mm. so things like having these electric electric vehicle contracts are really important to amazon's kind of greenwashing policy i'm going to call mm. because you know it is greenwashing um, <laughs> I, trying I, to be polite about it but it is i mean you can't the, the um, their global impact on emissions can't yeah of be course ignored. so yeah. i i think you know it is in amazon's best interest to, to yeah. set this up as a non-exclusive deal and it'd be interesting to see if they allow more non-exclusive deals with other suppliers yeah. um in this process I mean, just to keep the uh, the, the cynicism uh, river flowing, uh, <laughs> I I think you know it sounds so. Uh, this it sounds like they're being so magnanimous by saying yeah. that, doesn't it? But I mean, you're thinking surely that what they're really thinking is we really want to make sure that Rivian keeps going because yeah. a we, we are massively exposed to it. B mm-hmm. we want we want to make sure that we get the vans we've actually paid. You know, we're we're actually. Um, you know ordering mm-hmm. so please please everyone fill your boots mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I think that's yeah and like you say i mean i think amazon talking about um being kinder to the planet is like the uh, is like formula one um talking about everyone saving fuel and stuff like that yeah um 
so yeah, I mean, I I I, did, I didn't realize just then that was another sporting reference for you. I, I don't know. I did appreciate it. I know. <laughs> so anyway, yeah, I do think uh, that is it's um uh, this is you know it's needed. Uh, it's good. It's good for Rivian. They just need. I think Rivian especially just needs to get its um supply chain sorted. But it mm-hmm. does sound like. It's funny, isn't it? I mean, it sounds to me like other bigger manufacturers seem to be getting their supply chain sorted, but maybe Rivian is just too low down on the foot, you know, on the food chain um, for for car manufacturers. So, um, you know, or vehicle manufacturers. So, so anyway, yes. Uh, so, yeah. Um, any anything else to add? Um, well, the only other thing I was thinking of when you just said that is that potentially, you know, if if Amazon is coming out kind of making statements in support of Rivian and potentially saying that they can open up some other kind of, they'll have a non-exclusive relationship and can have these other mm. deals that maybe Amazon can help them sort supply chain, supply chain issues or put them in touch with, mm. with, with better suppliers, better, you know, because yeah. that, that, I'm sure Amazon have those connections in the industry that they could do that. And it's in their best interest, mm. as you said, for them to mm. keep Rivian going. Um, yeah. And I, I know that Rivian had to put a deal on hold uh, recently to where it was going to build electric vans for Mercedes Benz, but, mm. Um, because of having to lay off so many employees they have issues mm. with that so I think they've got some issues behind the scenes that they need to sort out first and that will mm. help them then deal with their supply chain things and hopefully Amazon can support them in that um, as a as a you know active shareholder you would kind of expect that or hope for that at least so mm. yeah we'll absolutely see. good stuff there we go so um so yeah a bit of a change a uh, bit of a change from yesterday although i will say that um today's watson's daily still has um still is still talked about um silicon valley bank because there are lots of uh con- there are still loads of um repercussions on that and also is there's quite a lot of interesting detail on what happened um so yeah so anyway just just so you know just just to just to say that i haven't forgotten about svb mm-hmm. just thought we don't want to do svb two days in a row um but um if you want your svb fix watson's daily is going to give it to you today mm-hmm. so um so anyway uh anyway so thank you very much uh we'll, we'll end we'll end on that but you know thank you very much gabby for your insight uh today um always fun yeah um, to chat with you. And uh, and thank you very much for listeners for listening. We'll be back again soon. And um, yeah, have a have a great day. Whatever you're up to. Many thanks. Bye.